Welcome to Jesse War Radio. Jesse War Radio is dedicated to peering behind the veil of esoteric iconology and symbolism and is available from jessiewar.com. Each week we interview authors, historians, thinkers and artists in an effort to discern the truth behind symbols, myths, icons and allegories. New episodes are posted every Friday. Members of Jesse War Radio gain access to the second hour of every show. Find out more about becoming a supporting member of Jesse War Radio by clicking on the subscribe link in the top navigation menu at jessiewar.com. Thank you for tuning in. Today we speak with artist Alison Edwards. Alison is a prominent painter in Glastonbury, England. She paints in a beautiful and fluid style, which is at times otherworldly and perhaps reminiscent of the Nobbies, Impressionists, and Neo-Impressionists, but with a freshness which places her paintings firmly in the new age of Aquarius. We begin by discussing her background and influences. Hi, Ali. It's great to speak with you. How are you doing today? That's really nice here. Everything's cool and not too cold. Yeah, and you live in Glastonbury in Somerset, England. Yes. It's an amazing spiritual place. Yes. Yes, we've got the tour, the chalice well, the abbey. Do you walk a lot in the countryside around Glastonbury? I walk up the tour fairly occasionally. I walk in the abbey quite frequently. And I walk along the levels every day with Buster. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, Buster's your beautiful dog that I'm a good friend of. Yes. (laughs) That's great. And then are you able to take dogs in the Glastonbury Abbey as well? You have to keep them on a lead. Oh, right. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So, you know what? So I've never actually asked you about your background. So um, I'm wondering about uh, just your general background, but then also I am aware that your mother was an illustrator. Is that correct? Or an artist? Um, Well, she did go to art school when she was a student. um, But uh, then she was forced to drop out because of the war and um, went into a mainline job and didn't really finish her, um, didn't really have a career in it in the end. So, but she was always really interested in art and encouraged me a lot when I was very small and uh, yes and still she she did it as a hobby kind of and uh, did she where did you grow up um well I grew up in a lot of different places because my father traveled and uh, so um, but uh, the the I was born in London and um, my maternal grandmother lived in Bedford and we often stayed there when returning to England. Um, So I was very fond of my grandmother and uh, yeah, and then I had to go to boarding school when once I was um, about 10. Oh. So, which I I don't have very good memories of, actually. I don't think I really enjoyed it much. I was there for about six or seven years. Um, your family, I, re- I recall you telling me that your family was, uh, your, your mother was basically of a higher social status than your father and that that created a sort of rift in the family. Is that, is that the case or no? 
Well, sort of, although my father got on very well with my maternal grandma. They were both Scots, and so they <clears throat> they liked to, they had a kind of bond. So there was the, there was that. And, um, yeah, it was a bit like that. I mean, I just think that, that some of my family were a bit, were, were snobs, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what yeah. made them what made them snobs and what was their kind of view of the world well, do you think? because because um in the last century my family set up a series of factories making farm in uh steam engines and and farm plows and things for farming and um they became very rich, I suppose, doing that. And, uh, yeah, you can still see uh, museum pieces with my family name on. And um, I guess then that they went down from a high status and they, so they feel that they have to try and, have high standards. I don't right, know, right. Like, like like Brideshead revisited. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what is it? Edwards is that the name of the company? Edwards. No, Blackstone is my mother's maiden name. Blackstone, uh, and they were industrialists. They produced uh, metal metal goods, metal farming equipment. Yes. Wow, that's that's really interesting. And what do you know how uh, how far back they went uh, producing? Uh, those products? Well, I think they, were, they started in the 19th century. That's really interesting. And then you also have... And they were originally American too. They were American? So, yes, they came over from America and became industrialists. And the Blackstone name it came from America? Uh, apparently, yes. Really? Around what year do you think? Or what century? Uh... In the 17-something, 1780-something, I think, roughly. Right. Wow. wow. I think so. Right after the American Revolution, then. Yeah, my, my cousin wrote a book about the family. So, I mean, you might be able to find it. Google it somewhere. I will, I will look it book, up. And, and, and I got all this information from that book that she wrote. There's some nice photographs in it. Like very old photographs. Well, that's really incredible sounding. And, and you also have a, one of your cousins is an MP or something like that. Well, she was in the House of Lords, but um, she's a professor in a um, university in Kent. But I, she may have retired now. I, I haven't asked her what she's been doing lately. What's her name? Talk to her. Tessa Blackstone. Blackstone, right. Okay, that's interesting. All right, so, um, so about your mother and, and art, I mean, were there any conflicts with her wanting to be an artist? Uh, do you know if she was like, if her father or parents opposed her being an artist? Um, well, I, I don't think her parents opposed her, but I get the impression that at that time in history, people were made to feel that they should do something which is um, more practical because it was a time of crisis. Right, right. World War II. Yes. Yeah. I've seen one of her 
illustrations and it was really charming. It's utterly charming. Such a beautiful little piece. I think it was of two children or something like that, maybe on a beach or something like that. Yes, yes. I've still got it hanging in the hall. Yeah. Did do, do, do you have other illustrations of hers? Um, I've got a few other pictures of hers, yeah. And to what extent do you think that that informed your own work or uh, provided the impetus or inspiration for you to be an artist yourself? Oh, I think it was fundamental, completely. I don't think I would have um, looked in that direction at all had it not been for her. And when did you start painting? How old, how old were you when you started painting or just drawing or doing general art? Well, she let me um, play around with her oil paints when I was, um, I think I was seven or eight. Excellent. So, yes. And I painted a picture of the river outside the window because we lived um, um, along the front by the river in Bedford then with my grandmother, like I was talking to you about before. Mm -hmm. So that was my first oil painting, which is quite amazing, really, because it was very young. Yeah, so it sounds like she, she really encouraged you then. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's wonderful. And what, what did your father think about it? You, did, you mentioned that he was, he was away a lot. Was he a traveling businessman? Uh, no, he was a quantity surveyor with a company. So he would do contracts and we'd probably, most of them were about 18 months. So we'd be in a place settled for anything up to two years. Was that hard as a child to endure? Um, well, it did mean that my education was um, kind of compromised, if you like. Yeah, how, how's that? Just because you couldn't have the continuity? Yes. Right. And what did you, uh, what, what interested you as a, as a child and what subjects? Well, I've always been interested in all of the arts, not just um, painting, really, but um, writing, poetry, dance, literature, um, dramatic arts yeah that's interesting do you do you feel like your upbringing and your family history um gave you the ability to to be to cultivate yourself to concentrate on cultivating yourself in other words do you think that that has to do anything with with class and the and the class system in england it probably does yeah i don't think you can escape from it really yeah well i mean it's not necessarily it wouldn't necessarily be a good thing to escape from, would it, in no. this case? It, well, it sounds no, like it was good, you know. Yes. Yeah. Okay, but, yeah, you, you can say that maybe I had more privileges than some other people. Um, yeah. Well, now, in, in today's political environment, privilege has become a bad word, but I don't think that it was always a bad word, was it? I mean, it... It, it was just a sort of neutral, neutral concept, really, you know. And I think, I think cultivation may very well depend on, on a class system, you know. So, but, um, but getting away from that uh, topic, what, um, <laughs> what is your main inspiration for your art now? And what has it been before? What, what did it start out as? 
for example, the, the paintings that I've seen of yours are um, definitely inspired, I think, by symbolism, although you stated before we were um, recording that um, you're not a symbolist. Um, although I, I think that your paintings definitely have symbols in them sometimes or often. But if you're not a symbolist, that's, that's fine. That's neither here nor there. I'm just asking. But um, there's also, I think there's a, a certain degree of spiritual influence on your paintings. Um, and obviously, no one is completely immune to their environment. And you live in Glastonbury, which is a center of New Age thinking. So I think that there are, I can see those influences certainly in your art. And then there's probably, I'm saying, I'm thinking that there's probably a sort of illustration influence coming from your mother. I mean, I'm, obviously that's just an assumption or assuming, but I think it's probably natural that it would be there. Um, and, but then there's this, gen, there's this general core strength uh, in, your, in your art that is also in your personality. I know you personally, so I can say that. Um, and then also... I think that there may be uh, an influence from the um, the Nobbies and Gauguin. Uh, I may be incorrect there, but that's what I'm guessing. Yeah, I do feel really. Um, I do really love the Impressionists and that era. Um, so um, I like the way they use color. So I'm very influenced by them. I I have to admit that. Um, yeah. I, a lot of people say that they see symbols in my art, but I can really honestly say that it's 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 not a conscious thing. Um, I would sort of say that I'm more intuitive and I allow myself to be guided, and that's the sort of symbolism that comes that arrives there has come through me somehow. Is that? Is okay. And, Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, it's not really something that I do consciously. And how did you arrive at that ability? Because that really requires an ability to be a channel, you know, because you want to be ideally as clear a channel as possible. So how have you allowed yourself, how have you grown to allow yourself to be a clear, as clear a channel as you can be? Well, there are a lot of people who channel stuff here and I think that probably um, it's just something that happens channeling stuff in Glastonbury is second nature isn't it really yeah yeah everybody definitely. channels here everybody's a poet a musician or an artist almost or a healer of some description nearly everyone yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. And, and people often will um, claim that there's a lot of charlatanism in environments like Glastonbury because um, there are other places like Glastonbury, like I'm thinking Santa Fe, New Mexico, uh, Mount Shasta in California. And then there's there's somewhere in Colorado like that. And then also down near Tintagel or somewhere around there, uh, St. Something, I can't remember what it's called. There's a uh, witchcraft museum. So I think there's a kind of new age area around there. And then there's another one in, uh, in Devon, too, I think somewhere. But people often say that there's a lot of charlatanism in those kinds of environments. But I judge from my own experience in Glastonbury, there is real magic and it's very powerful and beautiful magic in Glastonbury. And it's nothing to be um, dismissed or scoffed at. It's true magic, you know. So, yeah, and a lot of people are drawn here to it. But I, I have to say that I, I do think there are some charlatans here as well. 
Well, tell uh, I believe it. Of course, there are many, many charlatans, and they're, they're all there's a lot of healers, like you said, and you know, a lot of those people are charlatans. I mean, just flat out. But what yeah. what and do you think about that? When you meet one, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about some experiences you know. with that. Wow, I, I, I just don't name names. <laughs> yes. Oh uh, well, I met one. I met one uh, last summer. Really, and I found it quite upsetting, really, because um, although, because um, I obviously I triggered something in her, and uh, it was just, I, I guess people clash every so often wherever you are, and just have different values, and and you clash with people. So I clashed with somebody. Um, I was, and, and it's just unpleasant, really, when it happens. What specifically did you clash on? Some sort of moral difference? Oh, it's, I don't know, really. Um, it's best forgotten about, I would say. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> but, it's, but at the same time, I, I just felt that, for me, she wasn't very real. Yeah. Do you, do she you, didn't accept me fully, somehow. Right. Do you go to any kinds of uh, workshops in Glastonbury or like sort of events? Do you know what I'm talking about where they'll have like a seminar yes. or whatever? No, I don't. No, I don't any longer because I'm just too wrapped up in, in my own family life. And um, I'm, I, I did used to do them when I first came here, but um, I, I guess you just, it's, the novelty wears off after a bit or you just don't give them such high priority and you get on with what's most important to you. Uh, but you have exhibited your art in Glastonbury at a, a, several places, right? Yeah, I, I used to be exhibiting quite a lot. Lately, there's not so much art being sold in Glastonbury. I think uh, the nature of the place is that it goes through phases and there was a phase where there were a lot of artists and there were a lot of people catering um, for artists. Like we had quite a few galleries in town and it was easy to put your art out there. And the last couple of years, that's probably gone into another um, a different um kind of topic it's maybe it's musicians or something that are being catered for now but it's or maybe it's just a bad time politically for everybody i'm not sure but certainly we're not selling so much art in glastonbury at the moment as we were maybe five years ago really yeah uh is it do you think that has anything to do with any kind of you mentioned political politics i i uh, I think I heard that the entire city or town council was replaced, right, by sort of leftists or something. To that green councillors. We've got seven green councillors, which I think is really, really fun. I mm -hmm. love it. And, and I know quite a few of them and I like them all and they're really interesting characters. Um, but I think they've got a hard time with the Tories in power. And also... There's also some sort of strange bank evacuation where the banks are all leaving Glastonbury. Yes. <laughs> it, do you think that does... I, when I heard that, I, it sounded like it might be some sort of experiment because there has been... A, a, previously, there had been a Glastonbury-specific currency. 
And um, it sounds like maybe the banks are trying to get that going. And I, I think Glastonbury would be the perfect experimental environment for such a thing. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, no, I haven't heard of that. But um, definitely everybody's wondering if there's some kind of conspiracy behind it. How, how Really? Have you heard anything? What, what have they said? <laughs> well, no, I haven't heard anything that I particularly believe. But, you know, people are muttering different things. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. All right. And have you been up to the White Spring lately? Um, no, afraid I haven't. No. It's just been so cold and wet here. Yeah, yeah. It's right on the other side of town. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so getting back to your uh, painting, what um, you said that you haven't been painting uh, as much recently, uh, and just due to because you're you're busy doing other things. But yeah. um, what kind of directions have you been heading in your painting? Um. Well, I'm really just waiting to uh, make this move, which is I'm moving in three months. And I'm moving with another woman who's the same age as me and who's also an artist. So we're hoping to set up a studio somewhere on the continent and, you know, where there's more sunlight and everything. So that'll be a new phase for me. That's really. fantastic. What... um. Are you leaving that house permanently? Um, yeah. So where, where do you think you might be moving to? to Seville or somewhere around there? Uh, no. Uh, well, I've, I've got three places in mind at the moment. And um, one is near to Barcelona. Nice. Um, and that's because my youngest daughter is already working out there. Um, teaching English as a foreign language and it would be nice if we were close and um, then I'm going to look in Orgiva which has a very big community of other English people or um, other European people other than Spanish so that would that might suit or um Part of me would like to, to be in the south because that's the part of Spain that I've been visiting for quite a long time now. Um, and I was talking to a friend in the street yesterday and she wants to move to, to the Canaries. Um, so I've, I've recently sort of thought that I might look over there. The other artist that you might uh, share a studio with uh, wants to move to the Canaries? No, no. Um, just another friend, a friend in Glastonbury. Uh, as far as the light is concerned, um, it's definitely brighter down here. Uh, although I was living in Brighton before, and Brighton's really bright too. But the light's definitely really beautiful here. And, um, and, and as far as the difference between Catalonia and southern Spain, uh, there's a major difference in, in the heat factor. Um, basically right now it's nice and it's pretty cool. It's verging on cold and it, sometimes it is cold. Uh, so you actually have seasons kind of here, at least seasonal uh, temperature flux. So that between say October and I'm guessing April, um, the weather's very tolerable so that you're not having to suffer heat all year round because it's nice to think of being in the heat 
But when you have to endure it the entire year all around, like you would in Malaga or whatever, then I'm not yes. sure that I'm not sure that you'd end up liking it as much. So that's that's another consideration. No, yeah. no, I agree with you. I mean, uh, there's probably instead of having a horrible winter that you find really depressing, you'd have two week two months in the summer, which would be stifling. Exactly. But if I go to the Canaries, there's there's enough sea breeze there. Probably it wouldn't be nearly so bad. Yeah, that's what they call it, the e eternal spring in the Canaries. Yes. But the only thing is, I think it'd be lim limited. I was thinking about the Canaries too, but it's just, I think that spa space-wise, it'd be really, it, it might get a little claustrophobic just being on an island, but who knows, you know, I don't know. No, I don't, but she made me interested in it. It's just a new idea. I was only talking about it yesterday, but so I haven't really thought about it that much, but it I did catch my interest. That's fantastic. And it's kind of a personal question, but um. Uh, so are you going to be able to stay uh, like indefinitely or what's what's the situation yes, or you'll go I seasonally? I want to stay indefinitely. Fantastic. Yeah. Permanent move. Yeah. Wow. That's great. <laughs> that's great. Um, let me ask you some questions that are only marginally related to your art. And I would say that like, what are your spiritual uh, beliefs or just thoughts after having lived in Glastonbury for how many years have you lived in Glastonbury? 16. So after that amount of time in Glastonbury, how has that affected you? Because Glastonbury can be a very positive, beautiful, magical environment, like I've said before. So how, what have you gained positive things from, from having lived there? Um, I think it's... Um... Right now you just want to get out, I know. <laughs> so, but, you know <laughs> but, but try to think some positive things. I'd love to hear. Um... Well, I think it makes you um, very. Um, it makes you very aware of certain um, personalities. You know, you have to 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 to. You learn how to deal with very strong personalities here. There's a lot of strong personalities. So uh, that's one thing it teaches you. Um, I, actually, I can't. I feel as if I'm still far too close to it. I'm still right. too involved in it, and you can't see what the wood for the trees. Yeah, but yeah, I understand. I yeah. think on reflection, I might um, see what I've learned here better, actually. That's interesting you say that there are strong personalities there because uh, as an American, Glastonbury is definitely the place that I felt like I fit in the most in the UK, where most people are, tend to be reserved. You know, and where I'm obviously a bombastic, enthusiastic yank, you know, <laughs> so I actually fit, I, I really did fit in in Glastonbury a lot better, you know, because people are pretty much more forthright, at least in their charlatanism, you know, <laughs> but um, it's just such a beautiful environment. Uh, and I grew up in that kind of uh, uh, cult environment too, like new age type thing. So it was it was really a healthy experience, healthy experience for me that I really miss, you know. So yeah. I'm asking you about it. Oh, I really miss you here too. And Buster looks like he's doing great too. Yeah. Did you see that nice photo I took of him? Yeah, yeah. He looks so handsome. Yeah. Yeah. He's looking really good, wasn't he? And his girlfriend, uh, Rosie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, great. What about the social aspects of Glastonbury? I guess we're talking a lot about Glastonbury, but I think that's okay because it's an, it's an interesting place. The social aspects of Glastonbury, are you going to miss them or you're just like, you've had enough of it? Oh, wow. Well, even 
Um, I'm moving away. I think that probably I'll find somewhere with uh, quite a lot of similarities um, to Glastonbury in that it'll have some kind of alternative community and, and, and therefore there'll be things there that um, are very much the same and I will sort of find my second home there. Mm. If you follow. Yeah. Are there places that you know of in Spain that are, um, like you said, alternative communities? Yes. Well, this place in Orgiva, near Orgiva, there's a lot of alternative people living there. So that's one place that I'm um, um, giving quite a lot of thought to i haven't visited it before so i've got no idea but there are i already know um someone here in glastonbury who goes there a lot what where is that what is that near it's not far from malaga it's inland from malaga oh interesting all right that's it's beautiful inland from malaga it's very uh uh epic like mountains stuff like that yes yeah. yes yeah Yes, and they have a big um, marketplace where people meet and <clears throat> it's just full of, you know, old hippies, really. That's cool. And do you remember Mick and Jules uh, who used to um, park their uh, trailer near uh, Tranquil Turn? No. They, they, live, they come down in Spain, too. They winter in Spain. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I think I could say that my art, since I've, well, I think I did visit Spain a couple of times while you were here, but I've been a lot more since you left. And I think I'm beginning to see uh, a lot of, of, of kind of Spanish light and colour and influence coming through in my paintings that wasn't there before. Um, I think so. So I think the light and the climate over there is has already inspired my art, if you like. Yeah, I see that. I see that in your more in your more recent works. I do. Yeah. And what what has been your favorite painting, the painting that you're most proud of? Well, I think that's actually been a downfall because I got I was very proud of that painting I did of the um, <clears throat> of the cave with uh, a sort of Magdalene painting. Yes, yes, yeah. And That was uh, incredible. <laughs> that was genuinely incredible, Because yeah. it was the first oil I'd done, you know, because I'd been painting in acrylics before then. But um, there the, the, the was a kind of extraordinary clash of personalities around me painting that painting, which was really difficult, you know. Um, and it, it, felt, it felt like I got kind of stuck because I'd painted this painting and, and all the implications behind it were not completely fully understood. I don't know, by me possibly as well as anybody else, but, um, and, and somehow um, I couldn't, I couldn't, reproduce I could I couldn't find my way forward from there I fell into a kind of and I wondered whether it was you know my feeling of pride that got me into that schmuck 
God, I just went into a fully frustrating period after that. And, and yes, and I, I've, I'm trying to sort of, I don't understand why, really. Um, uh, the, the person that bought the painting and the person who was, was um, in the role of teaching me at the time, because I went to, and I had lessons from this Greek man. I don't know if you ever met him, Yanis. Uh, I might have. I might have. Yeah. I went to him and um, <clears throat> I painted that painting with his, with his instruction, you see. And then the person who bought it off me and the, and Yanis himself, uh, two people who didn't get along with each other. And, and, and I somehow felt drawn into this kind of friction between these two people uh, inadvertently because, because of that, which... You know, sounds sounds very bizarre, but it's what I felt or what I feel. And um, well, that's typical of Glastonbury as well. Mm, yes. But that's the less positive side of Glastonbury. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, do you, but do you think that that helped the painting become as dynamic as it is and beautiful? Um. What do you mean? That conflict that you were enduring, maybe it edged it further. No, no, because this ha that was after I'd finished Oh, it. right, right, okay. Yeah. Uh, and how, how large was that painting? It wasn't very big. It was only about seven by seven square. What inspired it? Or, yeah. Um, well, I was... Um, I recently met Anaya Sophia. I don't know if you know of her. She's a spiritual teacher. And I met her when I was traveling in France. And I thought she was a, she's an incredible wild and wacky character. And she's amazing. And um, she's, she does sacred tours in the Cathar region of France. Does um, she? Yes. And she's, she's, very, very, very interesting. And um, she was doing a whole um, thing on, on sacred caves in France at the time. And so I felt that's what I mean about channeling. I felt that that was directly coming from her. She was doing this work in these caves on the Magdalene in France, and um, and I painted this cave with the Magdalene uh, figure in it at the same time. You know, I'm actually going to Carcassonne and Rennes-le-Chateau Rennes in uh, in three weeks. Oh well, you should get in touch with her and pay her a visit. I'd maybe. like to, yeah, and I, I really am interested. I'm specifically going to Carcassonne to um, learn about the Cathars and visit any kind of Cathar places. Well, she'd be the most amazing person to talk to because she knows so much about it, and you, and, and and she's lovely. She really is. That sounds serendipitous. Yeah, she's a beautiful soul. Yeah, that's great. Um, and Rennes Chateau is uh, one of the centers, like Glastonbury. Uh, uh, of sort of new age occultism, you know. Yes. Ali, can you let us know where people can find your work on the internet? Um, well, I, I was on Redbubble for a while. 
And other than that, I'm just on Facebook under my own name. And what's the address for Facebook? Do you know? Um, the Green Turtle. Okay. The Green That's Turtles. That's my email address. Oh, right. So because there's hundreds of Alison Edwards, I've got a very common name. And so if, if you were to look up Alison Edwards and then look up the Green Turtle, that would pinpoint me. Okay, great. Okay, and I'll I'll leave a link also to uh, to your Facebook page so that people can see your work, and I'll uh, I'll post some of your works too. Okay. Okay. Thanks very much. So let's take a break, and then we'll come back for hour two of our program with Allison Edwards. Thank you for listening to hour one of Jesse War Radio. We hope that you have enjoyed this program and found it informative. Stay tuned and check back each Friday for a new episode. Please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash jessiewar and follow us on Twitter at jessiewar, or one word. Members can access our two of all shows in the members' archive at jessiewar.com. If you haven't yet considered becoming a member of Jesse War Radio, please click on the subscribe link in the top navigation bar at jessiewar.com where you can register for access to the members' archive, where both hours of all shows are available. Jesse War Radio is where we keep on peering further and further behind the veil of esoteric iconology and symbolism, with a new show every Friday. Farewell until next time.